Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is a, a, a friend of the podcast, I think I would call him, uh, Brad Evans. How are you, how you doing, Brad? Wow, dude, your voice just completely changed. That was Does incredible. It? That was very like KEXP introducing the band. <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess I just, it's hardwired into my brain now, I guess. I don't even have to purposely do that. But you're a seasoned podcaster. You know how this is. I love it, dude. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's get this let's get this started out of the way. You are doing this today. Not that, you, not that we don't talk all the time, but today... You wanted to talk about Signing Day Sports, which is a organization that you're involved with that I, I actually think is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, um, you know, I obviously my my pathway to the pros is, um, you know, interesting to say the least and not very conventional. Um, so when I was approached about this platform to, you know, work with them and ultimately learn more about it is whenever you tie yourself to a platform, you want to know more about it and, and kind of what they're all about. And I've always tied myself to, you know, brands and, and platforms that, that I believe in and that are kind of organic and, and true uh, and something that I would ultimately use. Right. Um, and this signing day sports really just opens the door to, you know, someone like myself at, at the high school level that didn't have the reach. Uh, there was no social media. Um, internet was kind of, you know, it was there, but it was kind of just getting its legs uh, in terms of putting yourself on a on a bigger platform. So, um, yeah, Signing Day Sports is awesome. They've been working with, um, you know, a couple other sports, but now just dipping into soccer because, you know, they understand the the sheer amount of numbers of, of soccer players in this country that just continues to grow um, and ultimately becoming a stats driven sport, which is really cool. It is. It is. It- pretty fascinating to look at what kind of services are out there for, you know, uh, talent evaluators and soccer coaches and, and whoever else that are in or journalists even that are wanting to get this stuff. What does signing day sports do and how is it different than, uh, I mean, is it like a, a Y scout for high school athletes or what, wh- what is it? Yeah, I would ultimately say it's, it's, it's pretty similar to Y Scout, right? Um, you know, and, and I've talked about this many times, but the Sounders and every MLS team and professional team across the world has been using, you know, a scouting app to uncover talent that they couldn't see before, right? Some teams can afford to have scouts and then you got to send them all around the world and build connections. Well, now there's a platform for, you know, high school athletes to upload every stat that they can uh, onto a platform and blast that product out to college coaches. You can do academic scores. You can do, if you're a defender, you can do header, aerial duels, one uh, clearances, goals, right? Uh, Pretty much everything that, you know, a coach needs to see before ultimately offering a scholarship. 
Um, but it also opens up a line of communication that wasn't there before, which is, which is really cool. Uh, so not only is it for the players, but it's also for the college coaches as well to jump on and say, okay, here's my criteria. Who, who are we missing as a program that might be that diamond in the rough? Um, with academies now, I think academies are pulling in the players consistently, but there's still a lot of gems out there that aren't getting discovered. And signing day can, can allow that player to give themselves a platform, you know, that they weren't able to. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I, I wasn't the best player on my team. That's just the bottom line. My parents will tell you that other players, my parents just happen to have the resources to put me in college. Right. So I was only recruited by a handful of teams and ultimately chose Irvine. But I mean, there was a kid on my team that was, you know, a Mexican kid from Yuma and he would drive up and train with us and play games. And I look, still look back on it now thinking, what if that kid had a platform like this to, to get himself out there? Because I know that he could have been a top player, top, top player, left footed, messy size, um, you know, not that caliber, but he could have been a top player. Uh, he just had the intangibles, but his family didn't have resources. Um, our club didn't have the resources to give him a platform. Um, and, he, and he just got lost in the system. And so that's why I love uh, signing day sports is because it now allows the person who might not have the ability to go to a college recruiting camp back east um, or create the you know videos on YouTube and the production value. Well, here it is. Little clippets that show and highlight um, your skills as a player um, and also upload your test scores too because ultimately you need those to get into school as well. So uh, you you were going through this, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, uh, not, to, not, to, not to age you, but uh, it, the landscape has changed dramatically in that time. Do you ever, and, and now that you have been working, I, you're still a high school soccer coach, right? Yeah, yeah, still a high school coach here. Yeah. Do you, I don't know, do you just marvel at the at like like it wasn't that long ago in some ways, but in other ways, it's like a different world that these kids are uh, looking at in terms of like trying to go to the next level. It's wildly different. Um, you know, my focus in high school was just to have fun and and play with my peers, and it was a break from the club system that you know allowed me to play with those younger than me and older than me. Uh, you know, I liken it to going to college, right? Like I didn't blossom until I went to college. And that was only because I was playing with players older than me and they showed me the ropes. Um, so that's why I think that, you know, high school soccer is such a benefit. And, and so is college soccer is because you ultimately, you learn from your elders, in, in my opinion, and those that have kind of been through the run the gamut before. Um, and that's where I ultimately learned how to be a leader was in high school, right? It was easy for me to lead those players that were the same age and that I saw every day in club soccer. Well, now the challenge is, can I lead those that might be a little bit older than me and younger than me? Um, and that pushed me into college too. And I, and I learned again from those that were older than me and, and younger than me. So I think that it's changed a little bit in that some of these clubs are saying, hey, you, you shouldn't be playing high school soccer. We need you to focus on club soccer. Well, I still think there's so much to learn there. And it's all about getting to the next level now. Every kid on my you know high school team that plays ECNL is solely focused on which school they want to play at. And that was so different from when I grew up playing in high school. Um, that was not the main focus. We didn't have Division One soccer in Arizona. So you had to somehow highlight yourself. And luckily we had a great club coach 
And uh, he brought in a couple coaches from, you know, around the West Coast. And yeah, it, it's, it's changed dramatically. Um, and of course, it was always going to with the Internet. And with this platform, it just now provides these kids, especially those on my on my high school team to put themselves out there, um, which I which I just love. So I know at one point a few years ago, maybe it was even more like 10 years ago, the USSDA, I think outlawed, maybe not outlawed is the right word, but they they strongly discouraged like formally uh, playing at both the academy level and the high school level and like essentially treating them as parallel paths, not to be mm-hmm. sort of like intersected. Is that still the case? Is that like, it sounds like with maybe a ECNL, that's not the case. Uh, what, but with, there is no USSDA anymore. Uh, that's obviously something that's been handed off to MS next. Uh, and then the ECNL, I guess. Uh, what does that landscape look like these days? Is high school soccer sort of making a comeback in that way? I, I think it is. I think that, like I said before, I think that, um, I think coaches and parents are starting to realize the importance of, you know, playing in a different environment. Um, You know, growing up in Arizona, we had a small league and we had to play Mexican league teams to get competition. And ultimately we were playing against men. And that's what changed the game for me and how I saw it. Right. If I took four or five touches on the ball, these guys didn't give a shit who I was. They were going to come in and smash me. And you need those learning experiences in different environments to get to the next level. You can't always just play the same people over and over again. Um, But there's also a social aspect to it in high school that I think is really important and that our, you know, boys and girls thrive on. And it's getting to interact with those different people than you do on a regular basis. Um, So I I will always believe that there's a, a space for high school and club soccer. Um, especially now that everything is so hyper-focused, it's, it's good to take a break from your regular training schedule and flip in something new. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think the coaching is getting better throughout youth soccer. And so now it's not the worry of a club coach saying, oh, he's going to go, or she's going to go and regress over the next two months. No, I think we have high quality coaches now that are trying to learn the game and build a better product for themselves and, and the school. So Same with college soccer. There's always going to be that next level player that either gets missed by an MLS team or blooms late like I did. Um, And so it it will always be there. And and I I, I am seeing more of these kids wanting to play high school soccer, which which I think is really cool. So you, if I remember correctly, right after you retired, you didn't seem super interested in coaching. Uh, you're now obviously coaching uh, at the high school level. Is this something that you are wanting to explore further? Or do you feel like this is maybe high school is the extent to which you want to coach? Yeah, I, th- I think high school is probably the extent. I think I have an awesome role right now. Um, and I'm really enjoying just, you know, being an assistant coach for Craig Tomlinson. And, uh, uh, nice. you know, former we, sounder in case people don't know the name. Yeah, former uh, sounder USL, for USL sounder. nine years. Yeah. Um, and so we, we just have a great time and, you know, not to say that it's relaxed, but it's definitely more relaxed than an MLS team or even a club coaching gig. Um, and I think what we're doing is trying to implement a a professional setting into an environment that, you know, had success in the past, but we just have a different mindset and and we want to push these players harder and farther than they think they can go until we get pushback, which 
The only comments we've been given so far is keep pushing us, right? Like we are going to push you until you tell us that you can't handle it, um, which, which I love, right? Like I, I treat every training session, like it's the Sounders or it's a national team training session. Like there's no if, ands or buts about it. And, you know, walking into the Sounders coaching office at the end of 2019, the team would go on to win MLS cup and it was not inviting, um, and not happy. And, and I just didn't want to deal with that. And I'm just in such a good situation where the, the head of school, Rob is, is fantastic. The staff is awesome. The kids are great. And, uh, we just have a great time coaching and, uh, you know, we made the final for the girls and lost one, nothing and made the third place game for the boys. So, um, I think we exceeded expectations this year. And now, you know, with coaching, it's, well, what's, what are you going to do next year? So, right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good for me, um, especially with the full-time role with the Sounders. I don't, I don't have time or the willingness to dedicate to anything more serious. So do you, I'm guessing you don't have a coach, a formal coaching license or anything like that? No, no, no. And that is a big, that's a, that is a big commitment, right? Like to get any, even like the C and D licenses is not like a joke. It's like, you got to put in real time. It's a real deal thing. I mean, Kenny Cooper just finished up, um, I think his B license. Um, and it's, it's big, you have to pay and, and you have to be willing to fly and put together training sessions and, uh, in person, it's, it's gotta be a thing that you really, really want to do. And that's just not in the cards. I think for this high school level, what we've learned by being players is good enough for the level that we're at tactically and, and technically, and, um, just give them a little something that hopefully can push them, you know, to, to play in college soccer. You know, you mentioned that Craig Tomlinson is the, the head coach of this team. You're obviously an assistant. But w- one of the things that's always struck me about what maybe differentiates Seattle or the Seattle area from other soccer markets is the degree to which the, sound, the Sounders specifically, whether it's NASL, USL, MLS, that those players have gone around and really built up the the cultural infrastructure, meaning like not just playing for the, not just like getting a job with the Sounders, but like going to high schools or clubs around the region. Is that an accurate, I mean, I know it's true that the Sounders are everywhere. Like it almost seems like every club is run by a former Sounder uh, in the area, but is that, does that, do you, you've played in a few other markets. Do you see that other places that the degree to which the, the MLS team is sort of like embedded in the, uh, like the really gra- grassroots level of soccer in the community? Yeah, I, I don't know if I have the best pulse. Um, you know, I only played it for two years in Columbus, but there were some former players that came in and out. Uh, and then Kansas City was, you know, very brief. But now Benny, Phil Haber, and Ike Opara are coaching the second team. And, um, you know, there's still a number of guys maybe in the area, but not to the extent of the Sounders. Um, there's There's just no way. I mean, you think of... I just, someone went and watched John Kennedy Hurtado's team play. And I guess he was just screaming at the referee and <laughs> like it was the world cup and it was just a league game. Um, and so, you know, you get guys like that and now Rogers heading up, right. Washington youth soccer and just ingrained in, in, in youth soccer here. And that's really cool. But I, I do think it's a special place. I mean, Kenny Cooper's back coaching with, with Dallas a little bit and um, with the club. So um, I, I, I don't have a good answer to that question, but I think that some teams are starting to get there, right? Janino is with the Galaxy. Um, 
but but it's i think what i mean i don't know not to like interject too much but the the thing that i just find so remarkable here is that you know like a john kennedy hurtado i think is a great example here's a guy who hasn't really been involved with the sounders since he left the team but he settled here you know he's obviously not from here but he said he he like came back after playing somewhere else in mls you came back here after playing somewhere else and it's like you're just part of the community and not necessarily like everyone all these former players that are back here aren't working for the sounders necessarily they're just like sort of like like just bringing their their knowledge their soccer knowledge to the community yeah but it, it goes beyond that because we our sponsors and you know connections that we've made throughout being a player whether it's at a you know make a wish gala or mm. seattle humane or seattle children's the amount of people that are like invested in the sounders without actually being investors interesting is mind-blowing uh and and the willingness to help out um you know especially a former athlete and and player for the sounders I mean, you could you could knock on anyone's door right now, and they would at least entertain a meeting, right? To see how you kind of fit in. Mm-hmm. I, that does not happen anywhere else. I could tell you that Steve Hauschka was ingrained in this, and now he lives in Southern California, and he tells me all the time it is not the same. Interesting. Uh, down down there, no one cares that you kicked footballs, but up here, <laughs> it's it's so ingrained in our in our community and our culture, and it's a really just a special place. And that's what ultimately brought us back. And that's why you continue to be a part of saying yes to assistant coach of a high school team, right. Or, you know, going out and working with the Ray foundation on a regular basis, because once you're here, you understand the importance of, of youth soccer. And, and that is our roots, right. Um, signing autographs at Starfire for every kid that is waiting there at, on Saturday, Sundays, you know, on a regen session, um, that all pays dividends in the end. And that's what creates this just ingrained culture that isn't anywhere else in this league. You know, you, you have a a pretty fascinating role with the Sounders. Uh, I'm sure listeners of this are aware, but you're not only doing TV, you're not only doing uh, rave foundation stuff. You're it's like, you're, I guess, I I guess you're, are you technically a club ambassador? Is that your, is that your title? Technically brand, brand ambassador, brand ambassador, but that, it feels like that somehow understates uh, what you're doing. Do you, but do you have any more interest in pursuing TV even more than uh, you have now? Or is, are you kind of happy with what it is? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm cool with what it is right now. I think, um, I don't know what's going to happen with this Apple TV thing and what happens for the Sounders crew and, and how that all shakes out. But um, no, I'm, I'm cool with where we're at right now. Uh, if, if an opportunity popped up that you couldn't pass up, then yes. Um, but it'd have to be something really special, but, but what those guys do in the booth takes so much practice and there's timing, there's rhythm and yes, you can learn it, but you'd have to really dedicate a ton of time to, you know, doing practice games and, and you have to really want to do it. I think what I'm doing right now is just providing a little bit of feedback from my perspective and not having to, you know, dictate the flow of a game and and kind of Mm -hmm. speak on that behalf. I like giving my tidbits here and there uh, from a, uh, you know, 40,000 foot view. And that's kind of where I see that shaking out. Um, I think I'm more interested on the nonprofit side and the community side than the broadcast. Uh, and what I'm doing with with the high school kids and trying to get them to the next level. Um, 
I think that that is where kind of my heart's going right now. That makes sense. So speaking of some of your 40,000 foot uh, views, uh, what do you make of what's going on with the Sounders right now? They, uh, yeah, they just came off a, a frustrating loss, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I hard to know what to make of that one. Well, look, I think, I think that Montreal game was a kind of a kick in the ass and um, saying, okay, we're, we're not invincible. We can't just come out here just because we're at home and we've had a few good results and just score a goal early and then lay off the gas uh, and we're just going to cruise to victory. The league is not like that anymore. Um, I think Kansas City is a bit different because I think they're actually in shambles. But when you look at Montreal's <laughs> team, um, they're a good team top to bottom. Yeah, they're and, leading. I don't think how many people really is they're they're leading the East. They have like yeah. the second best record in the league. Yeah, and and but the thing was is they had only beaten one Western Conference team in Vancouver two to one, and then mm-hmm. they lost to three others. So wh- it's really tough to before the game trying to break that one down and seeing kind of where they were at in their season. Um, but they showed that they're an incredibly organized team, and the Sounders had no answer to a three five two until late in the second half. Um, and that was interesting to me because the Sounders were so good in a 3-5-2 for the better part of two years that you would think, okay, we, we know how to absorb this pressure and we know um, tactically where we need to be in certain positions when X player has the ball. But looked a little bit disjointed and I think that was a little bit personnel um, and, and also a little bit of complacency on behalf of the Sounders. Uh, and looking at the goals we conceded, um, especially the, you know, the first goal, you know, Reagan makes a mistake, you know, send it 40 yards into the stands and no one's going to say anything, right? Looking back on it, but he's in learning mode and you, he won't make the same mistake twice, which is, which is good. We love his complacency. Um, and sometimes against Kai Kamara is going to bait you into something, right? Uh, and then the second goal, Yamar's just in the wrong spot. Um, you have to be on the six there. That's just a given. And two mistakes, two goals, and, uh, you know, Montreal's ultimately victorious. But for the Sounders, I think that was good uh, because they can get back to the drawing board and figure out a couple things that need to be righted by, uh, by the weekend. Uh, and I think that we're in a good place. I always look at goal differential to, to determine where this team's at and where any team is. And until that starts to fall into the negatives, I'm, I'm not concerned, although... Um, they're going to have to start picking up points uh, on yeah. the road and, and of course, at home um, with the last 17 games of the season to to be in the playoffs. And that should be the goal right now is, is make the playoffs. LAFC is going to run away with it um, if trends stay correct. I mean, 2.14 uh, points per game is is in- pretty incredible. Pretty, um, it was quite a statement to go out and sign – Gareth Bale and uh, yeah. Cellini and re-sign Carla Vela. And oh, by the way, we just, we won the two games that we played uh, right before we signed them. Uh, kind of a, a bit of a, a statement that they made to the rest of the league in terms of like, at least as far as the regular season goes. But, you know, it's an interesting thing you bring up. I hadn't really thought of it this way, but it did seem like there was a, uh, and maybe arrogance is the wrong word because I would hes- hesitate to use that word with a Brian Schmetzer team, but sort of like a <laughs> insistence on playing a certain way against Montreal, even mm-hmm. though in those first 15 minutes they showed they understood the the weakness in the in the Montreal uh, press by playing over it, by playing Jordan into space, by, you mm-hmm. know, 
basically exploiting that wing space that is almost always there and against a three five two. And then they just stopped doing it. They just decided, no, we're going to play through it because we know we can play through it. And I suppose you could look at the the way it broke down and say like, well, yes, they could have if they were just sharper, but they, mm-hmm. they didn't show the sharpness and they never went back to that until like late in the game. Uh, but maybe you're right. Maybe it was a good wake up call to just be like, no, like even, even the games that you think you have won, you still need to grind out results. Yeah. And it's good for the players. It's good for the coaches. And I think, you know, Nico's a captain and he has to recognize, okay, Jordan had a chance early scored by stretching the defense. Jordan has another chance by staying wide and coming inside and stretching the defense. But then Nico has to be the one to say, stop coming inside, stay out wide, just bring the right center back and make him play either out on the wing or then the right midfielder has to, the wing back has to mark you. And that leaves more space for Nuhu and, and the whole thing just works a little bit better. So I'd say that's on Nico's shoulders um, as as the captain and as the probably the most tactically aware and sound player on the field, um, but also a good wake up call for the coaches, all of them, right? Andy should now see that and say, okay, this team's getting a rhythm. Twenty minutes into the first half, what do we need to do? And Freddie and you know the guys on the bench to say, okay, Jordan, stay wide, right? Or whoever it is, okay, Jackson, you get the ball. Okay, it's good to play short two or three times and play possession, but Let's mix things up a little bit and stretch the defense and just drop it into the corners. And then we can keep possession in the attacking half. So no worries right now, but just a, a good wake up call. Yeah, that's well, uh, that's a good place, I think, to maybe end this. But Brad, thank you for doing this. Uh, be interesting to see how this this uh, signing day app uh, evolves. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I, you know, I think all the, you know, parents, it's a good tool, right, to, hi- to highlight your kids and. You know, for the for the kids listening, it's, um, you know, just another tool to, to get yourself out there. And so it's 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 going to be really, really cool. And, and uh, I'm excited to just be a part of it any way that I can. Awesome. Well, Brad, uh, we love listening to you on the podcast, love seeing you on the broadcast. And of course, uh, especially out at uh, after games, uh, in, encouraging kids to come play uh, at, the, at the little midway thing that you guys set up. That was that's an unexpected surprise. So fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for doing this, Brad. Uh, I'm Jeremiah Shan. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast, and we will catch you next time.